0: And welcome to the next edition of Red senior podcast from the team here in London. I'm Juliana Vilkos, Managing Editor for Red Semia, and I'm joined today by Asla Orbay-Graves, our Deputy Editor and our in-house Turkey expert. This edition also features an interview with a senior restructuring partner at KPMG in Turkey, so please stay tuned. Asla, hi.
1: Hi.
0: Turkey, for me, is one of the biggest enigmas as we head into 2023. This is obviously the election year for Turkey, and the big question on everyone's mind is whether Erdogan can cling on to power. Despite all the challenges of 2022, an inflation of over 80%, 30% currency depreciation against the US dollar, unorthodox fiscal policies, etc., Turkey and its borrowers have managed to muddle through. Both corporate and bank borrowers have rolled over their maturities and seemingly have well hedged effects positions. So can we expect more distress coming out of Turkey next year? Thanks a lot,
1: Yuliana. Following Russia's full-fledged invasion on Ukraine earlier this year and the ructions in the Chinese property market, some commentators have suggested that Turkey could be in prime position to step up to becoming to be a key emerging market destination for international investors. However, alongside global economic slowdown and rampant inflation, Turkey also faces a unique set of challenges, including hyperinflation on the back of the central bank's unorthodox monetary policy. I was delighted to have the opportunity to speak with Orhan Turan, head of capital and debt advisory of KPMG Turkey earlier this week, to discuss how these challenges are expected to impact the country's major companies and banks. Thanks a lot, Orhan, for taking the time to talk to us. Perhaps we can start by talking about the trend in Turkey's recent credit growth. As since the second half of 2022, the local currency credit provision has been declining. What do you think is causing this, and um, do you think it's putting pressure on companies' abilities to finance themselves?
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having me here, uh, Aston. Uh, let me start with how, how we see the credit uh, provisions in the, in the lending market overall actually there is an un- uh, untold monetary tightening policy ongoing in the last couple of months and this is uh, because of the uh, regulations new regulation introduced by uh, bsra and also some some measures taken by the central bank of turkey and therefore there are multiple requirements from companies who would like to borrow from the banks and this is creating a kind of uh, obstacle to reach to access the the loans and definitely the regulator and central bank especially on the turkish lira loans they would like to be very cautious and they don't want to see any big credit growth which will boost the turkish lira depreciation therefore the credit market is squeezed and also some of the major banks including the state owned banks also increasing their standards for lending on top of that when you go back to the the individual loans such as car loans uh the mortgage and 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 the uh, the individual loans that market is also not uh not in a growth mode and and uh, there are also some limitations uh some some uh, precautions and all this uh, macroprudential uh, regulations are affecting the lending market, and that's why there is a. It's a, as I said in the beginning, it's an untold uh, monetary squeezing uh, at the moment. So when it comes to the company side and how uh, these measures affect them, of course the lending market is not uh, liquid at the moment. But inflation is helping, especially industrial companies, to increase their profitability. So in, in contrary, in one way, while the lending market is squeezing the company's cash flow, the extra profitability, which is backed by the high inflation, is also creating a kind of a funding source for them. I mean, if you look at the uh, stock exchange of Istanbul and the major companies, you can see that in 2022 they made most of them made their historical profits in Turkish territory terms. Of course, in, in hard currency, you may assume that most of them are stable or even declining mode, but uh, at the end, in Turkish lira, they are, their profitability is much, much higher than their historical averages. So, in, in short, I, I would say that, uh, of course, the companies, individuals having trouble, and the banks are not willing to have, because, you know, i mean I, I just would like to give some examples on what kind of um, uh, precautions what kind of macroprudential uh, attempts have been done by uh, cbrt such as companies can only borrow if in turkish lira if their fx denominated assets do not exceed 10 percent of total asset which means that to to get a cheap credit uh, the companies need to sell off their foreign cash before going back, going and ask for a, land, a Turkish lending from Turkish market. And also, such as uh, companies are given a tax exemption on FX income if they hold their uh, money received in government-backed Lira deposit protection scheme. So, and exporters are required to convert 40% of their foreign currency in, in Turkish Lira. So, this kind of measures are creating a low-flowing cash from the finance sector to the corpus. But as I said, on the other hand, the inflation and the increasing profitability is helping companies to sustain their cash flow for the timing.
1: What sectors in Turkey have been particularly hit in light of the, the current environment?
2: Well, I don't think we can speak about any specific sector, but of course I will speak about some different classes in the economy which is highly impacted from the market. I mean I mean when you when you look at the non-financial area, the most important threat to Turkish economy likewise in everywhere in the world particularly to Europe, it is the energy prices. And as Turkey is still depending 40% of their electricity production to natural gas. Of course, what's happening globally right now is having a very strong impact in the Turkish economy. And the Turkish natural gas imports are not a monopolistic situation, but 85% of the imports are done by the state-owned botash. So somehow it is state-denominated markets. And We observed during the year 2022, the natural gas prices are subsidised by the botage to both households and the industries, including the power generation sector. And on top of that, of course, the electricity, the power market is also subsidised, and and, and this kind of subsidies are backed by an over-regulation in the power uh, sector. Even the profitability and the general prices of electricity in the market is very high, but with some regulations which are capping the prices, uh, introducing different measures in the market, the power sector is struggling because of the overregulation. It's not because of the profitability, but over-regulation. Uh, holding their profitability, holding their, let's say, sustainability at this moment. So I would say that the most uh, stressed sector, I'm not speaking about profitability here, because the profitability is still very strong, but they are struggling with the overregulation. I I assume that financial sector is also, can be told as an overregulated market. But when you go back to the uh, real economy, I think the first a half and the second half shows a different characteristics especially for the exporters and industrial companies i mean the first six months while the commodity prices jumped very high the industrial companies including the steel companies cement companies uh, the chemicals and also the automotive all those companies especially who are capability to go into the export markets they had a very nice and very profitable first half in this year. But starting from the second half, especially the signals of Eurozone uh, to enter into recession period, of course, it slowed down the activities and mostly exporters. You know, Turkey, the Eurozone is the major export partner of Turkey at this moment. So the second half, we observe a slowdown in the exporters. If this goes beyond another half year, I assume that some of the tier 2 exporters may impact heavily if their cash flow is already tight. But uh, overall, yes, the one other cluster, I would say, is the exporter to the Eurozone, which includes the automotive industry plus the textile. As as we see in the market, uh, the exports are slowing down. and. It seems that it will continue for a while, and therefore, those two sectors we, we are closely following. But other than that, I think the most important impact is on the household sector. Uh, or household cluster, I would say, because the company side, if they don't have any kind of a cash flow issue coming back from the previous years, I think this year in overall and generally, we could easily say that the cash flow backed by increasing prices, increasing profitability, backed by also the inflation, helped them to recover uh, their cash flow. But for households, I think the individuals are facing more issues on aligning themselves with the economy and, and the inflation, of course, and the household's uh, ability to purchase or purchase capability slows. Of course, this will have an impact on the retail and, and some other sectors, but with a delay. So we expect that this... This impact will come uh, later next year, but as of now, the hospitality and industry, such as they, they started the year with a very increasing concerns, particularly with the Russian invasion to Ukraine, and you know the all the ex countries are um, the the most important source of uh, travelers coming to Turkey for holiday but uh, it, it eventually it ended up with a totally different way and the hospitality sector uh, had a very, very strong year this year. So, of course, the hospitality industry is still suffering from the, the pandemic year's uh, effects, but this year uh, also helped them to recover partially their loss in the last few years. So I think we cannot speak about uh, overall sectors, but some clusters are having more and uh, more impact than the others. I mean for the I mean one of the well-known and usual suspects being uh, heavily impacted in Turkey was you know the housing sector, the real estate. So, I mean and in real estate in one hand, like all over the world, the commercial assets are still weak. However, the housing uh, the housing part of real estate is extremely strong. And this is also creating uh, a very high prices on rental and and also uh, for the house prices. And this is also backed not only with the the reasons that I spoke, but also a very strong demand coming from foreigners to buy a house or buy some assets in in hard assets in Turkey, particularly Istanbul, some close cities, Antalya, Izmir. They are the major. Yes, it is. That's facing the demand and overall now um, the the housing sector within real estate is also very strong.
1: I also wanted to ask you about the Turkish banking sector. Are the local banks seeing an uptick in in MPLs, and if so, how are they handling them?
2: Well... (laughs) That's that's quite uh, an important question, and my my answer goes uh, like that. The MPls uh, as of end of September is uh, one of the historical low in Turkish financial markets. So the MPls at the moment is not a big issue, and this is because of several reasons. And uh, the first and foremost is the inflation, because the uh, according to the Turkish regulation, any M P any any loan booked in M P L class have to be uh, kept in in Turkish lira. And while because of inflation, the revenues and the overall asset size is growing, the Turkish lira M P L assets, non uh, interest binding assets, are uh, comparatively uh, lowering. So. This is one of the reasons and the other is, as I spoke earlier, um, some of the previously restructured companies also benefited from the last two years. uh, increasing profitability and 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 we also observed that many turkish banks have reclassed some of the old restructured companies to standard loans and overall when you see it in the market there is no uptick and, and 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 in contrary there is there is a slowing down on NPS. but of course we don't think that this is going to be a permanent uh, a permanent trend uh, because I mean, uh, whatever we see in the market, um, it is, I wouldn't say artificial, but uh, I can say that it is not sustainable for the next year or the year after. So, therefore, the, the definitely uh, with this lowering uh, MPLs, there will be a bounce back, and uh, we expect an increase over the MPLs in the next year. But for the time being, MPLs are not the uh, uh, the main concern uh, of the Turkish bank, and especially in our market, uh, which is, I mean, the the debt advisory and financial restructuring advisory market, there is uh, very few new names in the market for who asked lenders to restructure their debt in the last uh, maybe half year or maybe even 2022. And this is also shows how the Turkish companies are uh, doing at this moment and. Even in, in some, uh, we also know that in, in some uh, banks in Turkey, they willingly in, increase their pro- credit provisions, uh, uh, their provisions to those loans, and, and this number could even be lower than what it is uh, disclosed in the at end of the third quarter. So, at this stage, uh, no, NPLs are not one of the main issues of the uh, lending market at the moment.
1: In terms of the advances that have been made in the Turkish companies' abilities to de- restructure their debts since 2018, um, what kind of advances have been made? Um, because it has been a bit of a bumpy road for the Turkish corporates in terms of debt restructuring since 2018.
2: There are different stories, of course. The, the, there's, it is very difficult to generalize uh, To uh, as a... As a view over the all Turkish companies here, but uh, I think uh, um, overall, uh, when I look into the restructured companies, I mean, of course, the viable companies who has uh, maybe I mean sitting on who has big debt but a good uh, business model, uh, they they uh, recovered very strong, and I see that in some some, some Turkish banks, as I said uh, for the earlier question. Uh, the banks are reclassing uh, the uh, some of the restructured companies that into the standard loans, and and this is because I mean uh, the restructurings helped the Turkish companies to create a self discipline on asset disposals, uh, selling some of their um, uh, their subsidiaries, which are non-core uh, for their business. I think overall, the Turkish companies, especially who are restructuring, restructured uh, since 2018, uh, they had a nice improvement in their cash flow. But of course, as I said, there is nothing here that we can generalize. There are also many non-viable businesses also being restructured, and such as some construction companies, some, some also. Um, companies who have did uh, more than they can sustain. I think some of them are still struggling, and for the next year uh, they will be the first to come and back, come back to the lenders and ask for another round of restructuring. But I think overall the restructurings are they went well. I think the the, the especially the financial market uh, should be should be maybe not happy but shouldn't be worried about restructurings but in overall this period starting from 2018 up until now also uh, showed uh, the especially the turkish banking industry that uh, a strong restructuring skills of uh at, uh, banks and and also uh, uh, having a regulation uh, backing to restructuring is also not just in favor of the companies but also in favor of the banks as uh, as uh, protecting the stability of the balance sheet. But overall, I think um, uh, if you speak with Turkish banks, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they will say that they they had a quite nice uh, bounce back from most of the restructurings. But of course, I mean, like everywhere and every time, um, it is impossible to see all the companies have a successful recovery, and some of them are still still struggling. And well, we will see. I mean, but overall, I think uh, uh, if we just speak about the major trend, I think uh, the improvement is higher uh, have have higher uh, portion than failures.
1: I wanted to ask you specifically about um, some of the issuers that have an upcoming maturity in 2023. Do you think um, these companies should set tight and hope for credit markets to improve or should they just start thinking about reprofiling their existing facilities right now?
2: If when you look in from the investors point of view, first of all, I think there is no credit market in the world at this moment that the investors can sit tight and, and uh, don't think about the uh, uh, the the future of their investment at the moment. I think the overall the credit market everywhere with the geopolitics risks and, and, and recession and Increasing uh, the commodity prices and difficulties, which they, especially the overseas trade is facing these days. I think there are many things uh, in the overall uh, real economy, or especially for who, uh, the corporates, they have to think twice. I mean, I think, uh, for the issues point of view, uh, of course, uh, this is a very micro uh, question that needs to be answered. I mean, of course, there is no overall saying for everything, but I assume that the investors, uh, in in the global investors, in in different markets, I think they will they will reconsider their uh, investment. Uh, for the uh, bonds and and, and for the company bonds, corporate bonds, uh, uh, twice while, as I said, there are structural changes in overall economy, especially on trade, energy and all those issues. I think uh, I I don't, uh, so to to answer your question, I don't see any uh, issues to sit tight at the moment. But I think they should start uh, working on uh, the alternative solutions. But of course, I mean, it, it is, this is something that, uh, as I said, it's a micro question and. Of course, some of the very strong companies who have also very strong cash flow in different jurisdictions to avoid any single jurisdiction risk. I think there will still there will be still uh, a strong interest because the liquidity in the market is still very high. But uh, increasing uh, U.S. Uh, interest rates uh, is also uh, directing some of the flows uh, to the T-bond markets. Of course, but I think. This, this, there is no general answer to this question, Asanam, uh, but overall, uh, what I see in the, uh, the bond issuance and the corporate bonds market, I think the, investment, the investors will uh, question more than they do in the past for investing or reinvesting the existing bonds. As I said, there are many, many structural changes uh, and some of them are uh, really very significant change.
1: What opportunities do you think are there for the international investors in Turkish credit markets at the moment?
2: Well, I mean, there are many opportunities, of course, but I think uh, there are um, more uh, questions in the international investors' eyes uh, when they look into the Turkish credit market for the timing. Uh, and as you know and as everyone knows uh, there's a uh, there's a, a 2023 is an election year in Turkey for both uh, presidential and election and also for the Parliament and I think uh, on top of what we spoke earlier today uh including the uh, the unorthodox policy making of uh, cbrt uh, I think uh, the the investors are already observing uh, the opportunities here but I think until the uh, election comes or election passes I don't think that there will be a big flow coming from the international investor side to the Turkish market but of course I mean depreciation Turkish depreciation of Turkish Liga uh, is uh, creating a very low level of assets uh, pricing in hard currency. And also the Turkish companies also showed their strength in the last uh, one year while the export markets are slowed down still. They are performing well and they are still keeping their profitability. I think overall the Turkish uh, credit markets uh, will be strong because the real economy could be be strong, especially in the second half of uh, the year. But uh, I think uh, on top, when it comes to the investors' uh, eyes on the Turkish financial market, I think there will be more opportunity over there because, as I said, now there is no uptick in MPLs, but uh, this is not going to be sustainable and it will go up uh, starting from the second uh, half of the year. I think uh, the the international investors eyes, uh, there are many uh, opportunities in Turkish credit markets, but I think the risk are, risks are lying together with the opportunities, at least for the first half of the year.
1: What do you expect for 2023 to, to bring? Is there anything else that you would like to highlight in terms of the expectations for the next year?
2: Well, first of all, visibility um of course this kind of an election year is uh, concentrating all the the government and the ngos companies all all uh, the the actors of uh, the economy is now um, focusing on the election because election is uh, somehow blurring uh, the visibility and i think uh, regardless of uh, the uh, outcome of the regardless of the results of the elections, I think the most important outcome will be the visibility will be back. At least a new government will be, or a new president, a new parliament will be elected for next five years. And I think this is the most critical uh, uh, step in the Turkish economy for 2023. And I assume that, regard, as I, again, regardless of the results, I assume that both uh, that we will observe a, a strong inflow from the international markets, but also I expect uh, an increasing investment uh, trend from the Turkish corporate as well. I mean, even today, uh, we are I mean uh, we are observing a, a very strong intention to to make additional investments from the Turkish corporates, and I think. Uh, after 2023 elections, which uh, expected to be in June, um, I think uh, the second half of the year, uh, especially after as, uh, the fund uh, establishing the new government, I think uh, we assume we expect uh, a very strong uh, activity in the investments, both uh, domestic and also from the international investor side. Um, well as uh, let me finish uh, uh, how I started to this question. I think now the uh, the, the visibility ends in the first half of the year uh, until the election date there will be le- less visibility but after then I think uh, the economy will start to reactivate uh, the, the, the major major arms. I mean especially especially the Turkish economy and the overall Turkey, has showed the world right now that is a very key country for geopolitical um, issues and also for the t- new trade routes. Also, Turkey established. Uh, Turkey uh, showed their instrumental, or how would I say, the how the Turkey can be instrumental to ease the trade issues, uh, just benefiting from their the geopolitical uh, geopolitical position. I think Turkey has uh, more, to, uh, more, more to provide to the global markets but uh, yeah, I think for the international investors point of view and also for the domestic investors we need a bit more visibility uh, which can be uh, increased significantly just after the election.
1: Thank you so much Orhan once again for taking the time to speak with us and for sharing your valuable insights on the market.
2: Thank you very much for having me and I wish you success for, the, for your reports in, in 2023.